The Columbus Dispatch series Unmasked looks at the connections between firefighters diagnosed with cancer and exposure to carcinogens released during and after a fire. As part of the series, we're presenting podcasts featuring firefighters and the people around them. In this podcast, reporter Lucas Sullivan talks with Boston, Massachusetts Fire Department Commissioner Joseph Finn and Hollandale Beach, Florida Fire Rescue Department Captain Peter Berger about precautions firefighters can take to help prevent getting cancer from their jobs. When firefighters rush into a house burning hot enough to break window glass, they are a team that has to rely on each other to survive in those dark, smoking infernos. But once outside, firefighters have to focus on protecting themselves from the hidden dangers caused by those burning things that they encounter inside a structure. Those things such as burning plastics, flame-retardant mattresses, and all of the other dangerous products in everyone's home, offices, and vehicles that can be harmful to the skin, to the insides, to the respiratory tracts of firefighters, those things that cause cancer. In the fire service, nobody speaks louder and with more impact than another firefighter. Boston Fire Commissioner Joseph Finn sets the tone for his department. With 1,600 firefighters to manage, Finn says it's up to each individual firefighter to solve this problem. I talked with Finn at the National Fire Protection Association annual meeting in Boston this past June. This organization, also known as the NFPA, writes the Bible on how fire departments across the country are supposed to operate. Finn was there to talk about being on the forefront of the cancer epidemic. It was the first time the NFPA had ever held any kind of summit about cancer in the fire service. I was appointed commissioner back uh, three years ago this July, um, and uh, I have a strong relationship with the union president. And we recognized early on, uh, long before I was appointed the commission, that we had an issue around cancer. Um, just to give you statistically, since 1990, we've lost 190 members to an occupational cancer. We get a new diagnosis almost every three weeks, uh, and we're starting to see a real uptick in our retired population of uh, cancers being diagnosed in under a couple of years of them separating from service. So we realized we had a problem, a significant problem, and we needed to do something about it. There's an awareness issue, okay? So I don't think a lot of departments um, have done a good job at raising the awareness around occupational cancers in the fire service, okay? I'd say that's number one. Uh, and number two, there's certainly uh, resources. It's expensive to protect firefighters against the toxins and carcinogens that are associated with cancer. And when I say expensive, uh, you go to longer duration breathing apparatus, you go to uh, two sets of bunker gear, multiple hoods, industrial extractors in the firehouse keeping their clear clean, um, and so on and so forth. Uh, the decon after the fire. Aggressive, um, you know, when you start looking at firehouse design, uh, you, you know, firehouses weren't designed in the last 50, 60 years to address this issue, where you, you're actually isolating the uh, carcinogens from the diesel exhaust in the bay, you know, the downstairs in the bay area, separate from the bunker care. There's a lot of costs associated with it. So resources are certainly an issue. Probably, and I would say the probably largest challenge is culture. I mean, we gotta change the culture. People gotta realize and take the personal responsibility that this is going to, if you allow it, this exposure to these toxins and products of combustion are gonna kill you if you don't take the proper steps now to protect yourselves, especially where, especially now where fires are burning much hotter and much faster, and that's all because of the proliferation of plastics, 
and then you look at the flame retardant issue where flame retardants are almost embedded in everything we as consumers purchase, and once they combust, they give off very toxic uh, carcinogens. How is the problem going to be solved? First thing you need to do, and this is legitimate, is you need to develop a management and labor group around the topic. You need buy-in. You need everybody working together. This is one area, in my opinion, where labor and management can come together on a common goal, common initiatives that benefits the life, health, and wellness of firefighters. It's like anything in the fire service. It comes down to leadership. You don't want a paper tiger. You're going to need any day people with policies and procedures not going to be enforced. So you need to, and again, I go back to the personal responsibility. Think about it. If you knew that by not wearing your mask into a hostile environment, you were going to die of cancer in 20 years, that's on you. If the department provides you with the equipment and the necessary uh, safeguards to prevent that from happening, shame on you if you don't choose to wear it. But also, you know, as far as when you get down to the issues about showering and times off the clock and, you know, re you know if you will, rehab time and decon time, the department's going to make, make that a priority. Now, it's difficult in departments because things unfold fast. So it's, in my opinion, it is about reducing the chronic exposure time and getting members cleaned up the best they can in a short period of time, far better than what we've been doing. Okay, so that's what we need to do. We need to start reducing that chronic exposure time. How long are we letting an individual stay exposed? That's the key. Because I think if we can reduce that in half, and I'm not going to try to pretend to be an epidemiologist or a doctor on this, but I'll tell you, I would think if you can reduce the exposure time, you're going to reduce the cancer rates. Do you do some of that in your department? Yes, we do. And you know. how, do you, how, do you, how do you try to drive that time down? Well, actually, we do uh, some, you know, we have the wet naps on the trucks and all the things like that, the, the, if you will, that gross decon on the fire ground, you know, washing the gear and getting back. And uh, we're working through that issue right now. As you said, it, it's not an easy challenge when you've got multiple fires in the same areas of the city or same section of the city, multiple call volume, call volumes mounting. Uh, so it is a challenge. I mean, and, but I think municipal leaders got to take this into consideration when they start making decisions around municipal budgets on how best to staff and contain uh, this issue. You said something earlier that I've, I've been thinking about, and that is the relationship between management and labor. So many departments that we talk to, there's, a, there's bad blood or there's, there's ongoing grievances or things that, you know, tensions are running high or emotions running high. Is it, is it your kind of characterization that this kind of transcends all that, that this is bigger than any of that you're talking about, the guys that you work beside? Is, 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 that, what you're, is that your message, that they just need to get over this stuff? Well, I'll tell you, I think a lot of people are familiar with Boston's history. So for the last 20 years, we were in a very combative relationship with the city's administration. Uh, we had a very volatile relationship. And I think our cancer numbers are as high as they are, and the number of members who have succumbed are because of that, because there were some initial steps that should have been taken a long time ago that weren't. Um, I would tell you this. Uh, we have a new mayor in the city of Boston, Mayor Martin Walsh, who uh, is a strong supporter of the fire service. He's done a great job in rebuilding the department. He's given me the resources and the tools to do that. I'm very grateful for that. Uh, but when you know that's at the city's administration level, you know, and and that's where the city's the partner in this. The city, you can have the greatest ideas in the world if you don't have the financial resources and the backing of the administration, it's not going to take place. More importantly, though, is the labor side. 
you need to work with your unions or whatever, whoever represents the men and women in your department, you need to work with them. You need to make this a common goal that you can overcome. And you know what, think about it for a second. You can build goodwill. You might be able to get through some of those other issues around this. If labor feels that you care about them, genuinely care about them, their health, wellness, they're gonna change their tone. If they see the investment coming, we went through that, we lived through it. And I can tell you that, you know, looking back over those 20 years and looking back introspectively and seeing where we were, it's sad we went through them, but it woke us up. And we realized we needed to push and we needed to work together to get things done. And I can't say enough about current union president, Local 718, Rich Paris, who was a true partner in this whole endeavor. Uh, and we've been able to accomplish a lot in a very short period of time. So, so have you had to, you've just had to basically bring cancer out of the shadows, right? Because you've had to get guys willing to say they have cancer, willing to talk about it. Because that's a thing too, guys are scared of getting taken off the truck. Yeah, well, we've had, uh, we've produced a couple of videos. That was on our initial uh, awareness campaign. I mean, before you change anything tactically, like before you make any cultural change, you gotta raise the awareness. Why are we doing this? It's crucial that you get your message out before the change because if you don't, it's gonna be doomed to failure. The kitchen lawyers are gonna sit there and pick it apart, they're gonna throw holes, they're gonna poke holes in everything you're trying to do. So it's important to get the message out early, what this is all about. This is a collaborative approach from the union and management working together to address it. Uh, and I think it's been worked for us very, it's worked for us well. And finally, <clears throat> there's, when, when, a, when a firefighter dies in the line of duty in a fire or doing his or her job, there's always this outpouring and there's this public support and there's a lot of public awareness and the message gets out, but not so much when it comes to this. And I'm wondering, you know, uh, the, the public is going to be seeing the, our project and a lot of them are going to be coming to this issue for the first time. What do you want to say to those folks about this issue, uh, about how important it is and why they should care about it? All right, so I'll just give you an example from Boston. So in 2014, uh, in March, we had a very tragic fire in the city of Boston on Bacon Street. We lost two firefighters in a structure fire on Bacon Street, killed on line of duty, in the middle of an afternoon, where 2.30 in the afternoon, when you wouldn't think that was supposed to happen. That same year, 2014, we lost four members to an occupational cancer. Now, naturally, the two members who died in the line of duty at the structure fire got a lot of notoriety and a lot of outpouring and a lot of support. And yet, those four occupational cancer deaths basically went unnoticed, except for us in the fire service. So it's about educating the municipal uh, governing bodies, whether it's the mayor, city council, selectmen, uh, town councils, whatever it is, on the importance of and what this is actually doing to the fire service. Also at that same Boston Firefighters Convention, Captain Peter Berger of the Hollandale Beach Fire Rescue kept an audience riveted to his presentation about firefighters and cancer. Berger is somewhat of a maverick in educating firefighters on cancer, and he came to Boston to challenge fire chiefs in the room. We have an epidemic. Yeah. We're dying of cancer, and nobody wants to talk about it. The IAFF thinks it's a bad word. NFPA doesn't want to mandate anything. we got a problem. And I think that that's ridiculous. And we have people that have said, don't, don't print that. You may want to not listen to that. Don't listen to that. You got to listen to it. You got to be aware. You got to accept that it's there and you got to take action, which is what we've been talking about. When his presentation was over, Peter sat down and talked with me outside the ballroom. I just want people to know that we got a problem. And I want them to know that we can make a change. Yeah. 
that's all I want. I'm trusting you with my life to go into a fire, to come home, to get out of this and go home to my family. My technique is fine. You know, Commissioner Finn said, my technique is fine. Everything is great. I want you to rush in. I want you to have that gung-ho mentality, but I want you to be smart. I agree. Let's be smart about it. I talked about it in my session. You know, inspectors and investigators are now just rushing into a fire to investigate with no PPE and no SCBA, and their numbers are skyrocketing as how many cancer cases they're getting. Be smart. It doesn't take a lot to be smart. Speaking of being smart, I know that you had a number of people come up to you after your presentation, but you had one in particular from the state of Michigan who kind of floored you. Can you kind of talk a little bit about what he told you? Yeah, he said uh, he's been just named the fire marshal for um, a small city in Michigan. And he said for the first 35 years of the, of the Prevention Bureau, the investigators weren't using any masks and they were just walking into fires after it was all over and investigating and people were getting cancer and they couldn't understand it. So he spoke to a couple of people and he said, you know, put a mask on and the regulator, that'll be fine. And I looked at him and I go, but that's not fine. You may be covering this part of your mouth, your nose and your mouth, but what about your face? What about your neck? What about your wrists? You're still going through it. Well, sifting isn't that much. No, sifting is that much. We know that three hours after the fire is out, it's off-gassing at higher rates than we know. And 72 hours later, it's still off-gassing. What are we doing? What are we doing? I said to him, I said, let's change that. Get me the information. I'll get you anything you want. I'll give you the 1,700 journal articles that I have that say you cannot do this. And he was like, get me everything. And I'm like, again, if he changes something, then my presentation here and me being on the national stage changes something. I, if I lead by example, right? I wash my hands after I touch my gear. I, I wash my hands after I touch my checkout. I don't go and make breakfast in the morning until my, my hands are washed. I don't, if I touch my gear and I gotta use the bathroom, I wash my hands first, use the bathroom, and wash my hands again. If I wear gloves during checkout, people look at me with crossed eyes. Why? What's the, what's the problem? If you don't like it, then tell me another way to stop that from happening. Just tell me another, and I will more than likely come. But if you don't give me something and you look at me crazy, then all you're doing is being ignorant to something that is in your face face telling you you're going to die of this. You have been listening to one of a series of podcasts from the Columbus Dispatch in which firefighters and the people around them tell their own stories in their own words. You can find more podcasts along with stories, videos, and interactive graphics online at dispatch.com unmasked. This podcast was produced by Doral Chenoweth with the assistance of reporter Lucas Sullivan and web producer Patrick Flaherty. I'm Mike Meckler. The Columbus Dispatch is a Gatehouse newspaper. For information on how to subscribe to our award-winning print and digital content, please visit dispatch.com.